This is a download from the Wireless Theatre Company. The Legend of Springheel Jack. Episode 2 The Carnival of Horrors. Written by Robert Valentine and Gareth Parker. Charlotte Fitzrandolph is dead, murdered, and Jonah Smith flees through the streets. An outraged mob are hot on his heels, and poor Charlotte's blood daubs his hands and shirt. He needs time to think. It all happens so quickly. If he can just keep going, perhaps he'll be safe. And now the police have joined the hunting party. And they've brought dogs. It's not looking good for our hero, is it? This way! He's picked up the scent! Show it! Ah, no, he's not down here! Bad dog! And let's try this way! As the mob gets fainter and fainter, Smith huddles in a dark doorway and suddenly understands what it means to be hunted and how terrible it is to be alone. Then a hand reaches out and pulls him inside. Let me go! I'm innocent! Sergeant Skiers, come with me. What's up, Gov? We're off the folly ditch case. What? How come? Orders. You heard about Smith? Yeah. Well, they're sending us after him. Right. Let's get after him then. Oh, don't you feel, lad. We'll get him. That's not the point. That isn't right. He's one of our own. Not anymore, he ain't. Goes to show, doesn't it? I've known the man five years and I never thought he was capable of this. I reckon he finally cracked. Bound to in the end. Where do we start? If I know Smith, and I bloody well do, there's a very good chance I know where he'll be. Roll up, roll up! See Rollo, the dancing bear, and try your luck against the king of the beast! Ride the whirling egg, penny a See the two-headed sailor shake hands with the white wolf boy. Meet the smallest man in the world. Eh, he ain't that small. I've seen him much littler than him. Push off, squirt. Marvel and a tattoo lady. Who's she then, your mother? Right, you little sod, yeah. come here. <laughs> ah, Bartholomew Fair. Oh, what a place that was. Everywhere you looked were puppet shows, dice and thimble games, acrobats, wire walkers, fire eaters, prize fighters, lords and labourers, young and old, all came to the fair. But enough nostalgia, that's not why I'm taking so much trouble to set the scene, for this was the location of the most incredible and terrifying events that the city would ever witness, an episode I like to refer to as... A fate worse than death. Ah, yes. The mist 
It's a parting. I see a tall, dark, handsome man in your future. I see you will be faced with a dilemma and that you're worried about someone whose name begins or ends or contains the letter A or E. The crystal never lies. I see. I see. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. It's horrible. Horrible. It's eyes. Red eyes burning. Burning. Oh, dear. Sorry, dearie. Where was I? That's it. The curse has struck again. We're spiralling to the bottom in ever-decreasing circles. Things ain't that bad, Oscar. Oh, no? Our thespians have terminated their contract. Oh, dear. It seems they did not appreciate the interruption of murder in the Red Barn by an actual murder. I'm sure you'll find someone else. Will I? When I signed them up, they were the only two non-superstitious actors in London. But six months on tour with us evidently changed their philosophical outlook. So, what with losing the acrobats last month, we're down to our magic act, one dotty fortune teller, and a Punch and Judy show. It's better than nothing. Ha! It was a time, my dear girl, when the Harlequin Players was a respected company. Now we few, we sad, sad few, are all that's left. Things change, Oscar. You never know what's around the corner. That, Cuthbert, is what keeps me awake at night. By the way... They're putting the murdered lady in the ground this afternoon, and I understand you both spoke to the murderer before he committed the crime. Ah, well, um, we did speak to that policeman, yes. We barely said five words. Not that I think he done it, mind. One fortune teller's quite enough for this company, thank you, Lizzie. Speaking of which, have either of you two seen Ethel? She's not in her boo. Empty in all morning. God, blimey. It's like rats leaving a sinking ship. If anyone wants me, I'll be having a lie down in the wagon. <laughs> Poor old Oscar. Why haven't you told him we're performing for Her Royal Majesty? He hasn't given me a chance yet. Though perhaps I should catch him before we find ourselves short of one manager. I'll see you later. You can come out now, they're gone. Oh. oh, I thought I was going to pass out in there. Oh, there's gratitude. And don't get me wrong, it's much appreciated. Why are you helping me? You've only known me five minutes. You've got an honest face. That's the worst kind, love. Yeah, and it's all over the newspapers too. Look, you're famous. Oh, it's nice to be popular. So it's true then. You're that policeman. The one who believes in Springy or Jack. Oh, don't rub it in. Was it Springy or Jack who shot your lady friend? She wasn't really my, um... No. No. That's right. He uses fire, don't he? Of a kind. Well, he... He murdered a friend of mine. The girl in Folly Ditch? Yeah. And I want you to find him for me. Look, I'm grateful for your help, Miss Coombe, but if you want my opinion, I don't think it was Springy or Jack who murdered that girl. Maria. That was her name. And mine's Lizzie. 
Maria Davis, that's right. Word is she was one of Dreadful Penny's mob. What if she was? She was a sweet girl, Inspector Smith. And a wonderful thief. One of the best I ever trained. Outran the gang while I was away. I used to tell my girls, watch yourself, a spring your jack will get you. Well, he got Maria, didn't he? Poor little cow. Dreadful Penny. It's an honour. Likewise, I'm sure. I feel like I ought to arrest you or something. There's enough people feel the same way about you right now. True enough. So, what now? Quid pro quo. Know what that means? I've got a rough idea. You need help. I want justice for Maria. Justice or revenge? Same thing in my book. Well? All right, then. Quid pro quo. But first of all, if I am going to help you... I need to clear my name by finding the person who murdered Charlotte. And how are you going to do that? White oilskin. Eh? Does that mean anything to you? White oilskin? No. Before she died, Charlotte told me to follow the white oilskin to the box that sings for those who can hear it. Sounds like gibberish. Maybe. But it cost her her life. Listen. I want you to find a man called Rhymer for me. Here's his card. James M. Reimer, 42 Burton Street. Bring him here. Don't mention my name. Just tell him it's about the greatest story of our age. Failing that, just use your feminine wiles. Whatever it takes, I want him here when I get back. Back from where? Charlotte's funeral. Are you mad? No. And I'm not a murderer, neither. I take away everything else and I'm still a copper. I have to go. Fine. But first, let me do something about that famous face of yours. And so it was that Jonah Smith stood in the distant corner of a quiet churchyard under a canopy of ancient yew trees, watching as the lonely coffin of Charlotte Fitzrandolph was lowered into the ground. It may have been his policeman's instinct that drew him there, half hoping, half knowing that some strange or familiar face would appear, but the tears that rolled down his cheeks behind the large false beard those of a man lost in grief. But he was not alone. Hello? Detective Inspector Smith. Hopcraft. You're wanted for murder, you know. Hers, in fact. Don't worry. As long as you don't give me cause, I won't cry for help. Well, that's very kind of you. What brings you here? We're a little out in the open, don't you think? What would you suggest? How about a walk in the woods? So, how did you know Charlotte? I didn't. I saw you in the street and followed you here. That's the first time you've lied to me, Mr Hopcraft. She didn't exaggerate your abilities at all. She admired you considerably, you know. Or perhaps you don't. You're the man she knew in Paris. So, she told you. Well, well. She mentioned you in passing. Right before she died. Who are you? You know, I hoped this day would come. 
Smith, I have a confession to make. I know all about you, everything, and I'm probably the only person in the world who understands you. Oh, yeah. We're kindred spirits, Smith, both forged in the same fire. The Scratch Row fire, to be precise. Your Scratch Row, too? Yes. Your parents died in the inferno that night. So did mine. But somehow you and I both managed to escape. And we both saw what came out of it. The devil on the roof. You saw a devil. I simply saw something I couldn't explain. How did Charlotte find you? Serendipity. We were after the same book in the Bibliothèque Nationale. Your problem, Smith, is you've never left London. I've travelled the world in my quest for knowledge about Springheel Jack. Now I almost have him. Ten years ago, I even went as far as Yale University to look into Herschel's claims of bat creatures on the moon. It was a hoax, of course. But whilst in America, I searched every relevant volume of the libraries of all their greatest universities. Yale, Brown, Miskatonic, but found nothing that could bring me closer to Jack than I am today. The Harlequin players? Exactly. Smith, if only you knew. I feel like our paths were meant to cross. How are you off for money? What's it to you? What you... No argument. It's important you have enough to get by. You and I have a lot to talk about, and this isn't the time or the place. Where, then? Meet me tonight, at the fair, Shakespeare's Chop House, after my show. I'll tell you everything. As Smith watched the Punch and Judy man walk away, he felt a sudden, strange sense of elation that a man can only feel when he knows his enemy. With nightfall came always a change to the atmosphere of Bartholomew's Fair. Torches and magic lanterns brought a glow to every sideshow like a hundred campfires, and the fire-eaters lit up the faces of the crowds in wonder. The smell of roast pork carried on the air from the many eating houses, and the ladies of the night plied their trade in the warm darkness of Cock Lane. Be sure to hold on to your purse, though. Pickpockets mingled with the revellers, it was their most profitable night of the year. Inspector Garrick, we've got constables spread out right across the fair. Good work, Sergeant. Do you really think he's here? Smith's a man with an obsession. If he was looking into the theatre company, then there's only one reason why. If they're here, he'll be here. And in the absence of any better leads, we're here too. If he's here, Gov, we'll find him. Damn right. For your sake, Smith, I hope we don't. But, Inspector Smith... When I originally offered you my services, it was purely as a biographer. Bodyguard, biographer, what's the difference? I'm sorry to drag you into this, Rhymer, but you're the only person I can think of. I think I need to sit down. He ain't going to go for it, Peeler. On the contrary. What do you want me to do? You mean you'll help? Yes, damn it, certainly. Helping me can be dangerous, you know. Danger, Mr Smith, is what the public wants. At a reasonable distance, of course. And whilst there's no shame in confessing that I'm rather frightened... I can't stand by and watch a poor innocent man fall victim to an evil plot. What makes you so sure I'm innocent? Of course you are. You're a wronged man in the clutches of who knows what danger, and a man in that position needs a stout ally to watch his back. Damn it, Rama, this isn't one of your stories. I need your help, but you've got to understand the risk before you agree to get involved. But I'm already involved, Mr Smith. You just don't seem to understand what a good story you are. There you go. Quid pro quo again. God love you, Mr Rhymer. All right, then. Here's what I want you to do. 
Go to Shakespeare's chop house on the other side of the fair and buy yourself a slap-up dinner and a flagon of ale. I must say, I like the sound of that plan so far. That's where I'm meeting the Punch and Judy man. I want you already installed when we arrive. To better appear the ordinary customer, eh? Right. Don't react when you see us, just watch us out the corner of your eye. Is he a dangerous fellow, do you think? You can't tell by looking. Well, you can rely on me, Inspector Smith. Good man. You better go now. Good luck. And the same to you. We've master like that, watching you back. You're nothing to worry about. Beggars can't be choosers, Miss Coombe. Don't I know it. Turn around while I get into my costume. Now, the other way. Away from the mirror. Ah, sorry. So, how much do you know about Hopcraft? Not much. He joined us about two months ago up in Northamptonshire. We did have another Punch and Judy man, but he had an accident, the old boozer. Fell down some steps and broke his neck. Convenient. All right, you can turn around now. Blimey. Not much to it, is there? Theory is the punter's eyes will be on my ankles instead of on Cuthbert's sleight of end. Clever. Ah, <clears throat> uh, any chance we can get your dreadfuls into service as our eyes and ears? You mean my girls? I've already sent Becky and Moles gangs out in the crowd and told them to keep watch. And pick a few pockets while they're at it, no doubt. Of course. They've got to make a living, you know. Fine. I'll just have to do a good job of forgetting a lot of what I know about you once this is wrapped up. One last thing, and it's very important. What do you really know about Springhill Jack? Well, he's just a story, isn't he? Like Dick Turpin and Robin Hood. You know, a toff in a mask saving damsels in distress. Tell me about the Harlequin players, Lizzie. People say you're bad luck. Why? It's because of our shadow. Shadow? Our name for him. It. I need to know, Lizzie. All right, Peeler. We used to be a happy troop. We performed all over the country and the people loved us. I was eager to see the world and to be out of London whenever the heat was on. And Cuthbert was content to perfect his tricks and relive his glory days. But then things changed. From village to village and town to town we started hearing stories about a lurking terror in the dark. The stories were never far behind us. Wherever we'd been, we left black rumour. Rumours run faster than wagons, and before long they overtook us. In each new village, they knew we were coming and barred the shutters and doors. And then we finally understood. The nightmare was stalking us. Somewhere in the darkness. When we started on the road, the Arlequin players had jugglers and acrobats, even a fire-eater. But they all left us one by one. Now it's just me and Cuthbert, Ethel, Oscar, and the Punch and Judy man. Are you there, Lizzie? Behind there, quick! Ah, there you are. All ready. Better hurry. We're on quite soon. Uh, with you in a moment. You all right? I've a belly full of butterflies. I've been working on my new trick all the afternoon. Ethel's disappeared, probably drunk again. But now that I'm a magician by royal appointment... Oscar is dancing on clouds. <laughs> I'll see you backstage. He's right. It's curtain up in ten minutes. And I've got a meeting to keep. Watch yourself, Inspector. Call me Joe. I had only just tucked into my fine supper at Shakespeare's Chop House when the villainous Mr. Hopcraft entered the establishment and took the table nearest the door. 
I don't believe I've ever been more anxious while eating, but thanks to my iron constitution and nerves of steel, I nevertheless continued to do so. It was, after all, an excellent supper. Hopcraft, if that is your real name. As a matter of fact, it is. Take a seat. You hungry? How about some roast pork? I thought you were Jewish. Not by design. What about you? My mother wasn't. Then by all means have the pork. Your friend Mr. Rymer's certainly tucking into his with abandon. I may be wrong, but I think he's trying to spy on me. Your idea? Yeah. In that case, he's welcome. Anyway, down to business. I think I promised to tell you everything, didn't I? That's why I'm here. Well then, where else to begin but the beginning? After Scratch Row was destroyed, I became obsessed with finding out about the thing I saw in the fire. Unlike you, I had no doubt it was real. But all I had to go on were local tales of strange objects found in the ruins. One of them, so the stories went, was a mysterious pendant, and another was an ornate box or chest. Later, Charlotte told me about the burning truth, and together we worked out how it must have found its way into the hands of the Wayland estate and then to her father. That always troubled her, you know. I know. The box, however, remained a rumour. But then, quite by chance, I learned that a very curious chest, possibly the one from the Scratch Row fire, was stolen from an elderly pawnbroker and then changed hands in secret across London for the better part of a decade. I eventually managed to trace it to an old curiosity shop at an obscure address in Hackney, but I got there too late. It had been sold on again to Le Grand, the great magical engineer in Paris. It was whilst trying to obtain it from him that I first met Charlotte. By then, of course, I had learnt the return of our mutual friend, now known to the world as Springheel Jack, and I heard about his acquisition of the pendant and made the assumption that he would now be looking for the box. His box. Where is it now? I have my suspicions. Legrand wouldn't tell me who he sold it to, but it doesn't take a genius like me to guess. Assuming all that's true... I imagine our mutual friend's got more on his mind right now than reclaiming lost property. Oh, you mean that, like you, he's now wanted for murder? The folly ditch thing's another imposter, I'm sure of it. The real spring Jack is never far behind the theatre company, because that's where his box is. Welcome, one and all! Come on, let's get some seats in front. You'll want to see this. May I present a man known to many as the great wizard of the black country! Conjurer by royal command to Her Royal Majesty, Queen Victoria, the Great Majesto! <laughs> Good evening, one and all. And now, the amazing, death-defying, great gun trick. Ladies of the audience may wish to withdraw to avoid witnessing the most remarkable ballistic feat ever attempted. I thought you wanted to talk about spring Jack. Trust me, you'll find tonight's performance very educational. Nothing yet, Inspector. Keep your eyes peeled. Come on, this way. My beautiful assistant, the lovely Lizzie, will use her pistol to fire a silver bullet through this china plate which I shall hold in front of me. I shall then attempt to stop the bullet in my teeth. If the man in the cloth cap would inspect the bullet, Lizzie shall then proceed to load the pistol. The trick I want to show you is on next, but it's a good illusion, this. I'm still trying to work out how he does it. Well, if he knew that, it wouldn't be magic. 
Smith, you've just stumbled upon my raison d'etre. Think about it. When a ship's compass washes up on the shore of a tropical island, a primitive savage, not understanding its guiding principles, will assume that the object is magic. An intelligent savage, however, will go in search of the object's owner and ask him how it works. Sir, you have verified the bullet? Uh-huh. And marked it with your name? Uh-huh. Lizzie, please load the pistol. Charlotte told me about your confrontation with our mutual friend. I envy you more than you can imagine. I don't pretend to know what Springhill Jack is, Smith, but I do intend to find out. With your help. What do you say? Lizzie, is your blindfold secure? It is. Very good. Drum roll, please. Before I commit myself to joining you on your quest for knowledge, Hopcraft, I do have one question. Go on. Why did you kill Charlotte? Fire! Well? I'm talking about unlocking the secrets of the cosmos, and all you want to talk about is one shabby little murder. You said you'd tell me everything. When Charlotte discovered that I was working with the Harlequin players, she realised that my interest in Springhill Jack was more than academic. She had a very simplistic sense of morality and would have undoubtedly attempted to interfere with my plans. What about me? I might interfere with your plans too. You don't want to stop me, Smith. We're birds of a feather. She was innocent. Do you know how her family made their money? Sugar plantations in Jamaica. Her cultivation, her privilege. All paid for with the blood of slaves. It's a nasty world we live in, Smith, and bloody unfair. Charlotte had a good life and was lucky it lasted as long as it did. I've heard enough. You're under arrest. You wouldn't arrest me even if you still could. I'm your best bet for finding out what Springhill Jack really is, and you know it. Inspector, it's Smith. Look, in the audience. Oh, hold back, Sergeant. If we cause a panic, he'll vanish in the crowd. We've got him trapped. Oh, look, it's my friend Inspector Garrick. I'm sure he'd love to join us. Shall I wave him over? I don't think either of us want that. No? What's stopping me? This cane isn't just an elegant walking accessory. It's air-powered and accurate up to ten yards. But I'd only be firing from ten inches. By the time anyone realised you were dead, I'd be calmly strolling away. But I really would prefer us to be friends, you know. Be friends with an evil bastard like you? Evil? I like to think of myself as a principal day moralist. All the exits are blocked, Gov. He's got nowhere to go. Good work, Sergeant. I'm going to call it on myself. Too late, Hopcraft. Garrick's clocked us. Don't try anything clever. Remember, I'm aiming at your heart. Hello, Jim. Inspector Garrick. I've got the audience surrounded. Why don't you come with me nice and quiet, like? First, I'd like to introduce you to a friend of mine. Mr Elijah Hopcraft. Hopcraft? This is the man who's going to arrest us. No game, Smith. Let's go. Thank you, thank you, thank you, one and all. And now, for my final trick. My never-before-seen feat of mystical wonder. Soon to be performed by royal command for Her Majesty Queen Victoria. It's a trick I call Second Sight. Smith. Don't make me make you. Don't get your knickers in a twist. I'll come quietly. As long as you arrest him, too. I'm sorry, but would you mind keeping it down? I'm trying to watch the show. Uh, may I have a volunteer from the audience, please? Joe, you're under arrest. It's over. 
Don't be shy. May I please have a brave volunteer? Perhaps you'd better do as the policeman says. Anyone? Me! Pick me! Smith, what the hell do you think you're doing? The man with a big black beard it is. A round of applause, please. Excuse me, gentlemen. Now, dear sir, come up onto the stage. Blast! Very clever. Very clever indeed. For this experiment, I present to you the box of Emmet, a casket that once belonged to the pharaoh Ramesses and came into my possession from the mystic east on the Silk Road from China, full of the magic of the Orient. The Silk Road, my eye. I shall now ask my volunteer, Mr... Uh, Jones. I shall now ask Mr. Jones to place his hand on the box of Emmet, and I shall attempt to read his thoughts. Mr. Jones, clear your mind and place your hand on the box. You sure about this? Don't worry. It won't hurt. Apprehension of the mysterious Spring Hill Jack is entirely in your hands. Oh, true, was it? If it recognizes me, saw a devil. I simply saw something I couldn't explain. What immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? A creature with eyes of red fire and breath of blue flame. For five generations, my order has called forth the Beelzebub, and finally he came. How was that? I, uh, I don't know. Inspector, look! Oh, my God. Out of the mud came the leaping figure in white oilskins with a metal helmet and steel claws. On its feet, spring-loaded boots, and in its hand was a flaming torch, and out of its mouth blew torrents of bright fire. That's Spring-Heeled Jack. That ain't Jack. That's Jack. Let me stop for a moment. I'm sure you've already heard about the year Bartholomew's Fair became a riot, leading to the city authorities shutting down the festivities once and for all. And I promise not to bore you by retelling tales you've already been told. But I was there that night, right in the middle of things. And now I'm going to tell you what really happened. Suddenly before us were two spring-heeled jacks. The first, a bouncing, cackling, masked madman. A punchinello with a flaming torch. And the second, a looming devil incarnate, wreathed in St. Elmo's fire. As the crowd stood, frozen in momentary horror, the devil and the punchinello stood their ground. The two most fearsome giants to set foot in the city of London since Gog and Magog. Miss, get back! I want to see him! Get back! I want to see him! Unlike the lovely Lizzie, I stood transfixed as the huge devil advanced. Lizzie, Which one of them was he? Which one killed Maria? Get out of here before you get cooked! Get away from the box, that's what they're after! And then, the giant sprang to the stage and made for the box. 
But then Hopcraft, aiming his deadly cane gun, blocked his path. Not so fast. I'll choose the time, my friend. And with that, the leaping shadows sprang away and retreated. The box, however, remained, and the fire-breathing Punchinello, cackling like a madman, breathed fire with merciless glee into the fleeing crowds. For pity's sake! Someone shoot the thing! Cuthbert, hand me a pistol! Oscar, wait, try to steal my show, would you? Hang on. That was a blank! Of course it was a blank. Oh, Lord! Run for your life! Skiers, where's Smith? There he is, sir. Joe, you better leg it. Smith. Smith! Damn. Skiers. Yes, sir. You and Constable Fraser go after that thing and make sure none of that mob get hurt. I'm taking everyone else and going after Smith. Miss Coon, please. We must get out of here. Listen, Ducky. You and me are following that thing and you ain't slowing me down. Oh, dear. The mob chased the demonic Punchinello from the bright lights of the fair into the dark alleys beyond and lost him into the night. Smith, meanwhile, had also managed to evade his pursuers and had taken to the roofs of the square mile. And soon, Smith found himself safely lost amongst the chimneys of old Nickel, his head still pounding from his weird communion with the mysterious box of Emmett. Oh, come on, John. Keep going, mate. you just got to hide. Just got to think. And then he had the strangest feeling that the creature that he had dedicated his entire life to finding was not far away. Jack. Climbing through a hole into a forgotten attic, Smith found himself in a stinking and pitiful darkness. There, amongst the rats and scraps of rotten vegetables, Smith lay shivering and lost. And then, Jack came home. That hurt you. If they follow me, you'll be safe. Do you understand? Don't be afraid. Just stay here till they're gone. Smith fled across the rooftops, leaping from gutter to ledge, almost as if as if he had springs on his heels. And the mob followed him. A strange, dark figure in the moonlight all the time edging further away from Jack's hiding place. And then suddenly, he was trapped. 
it, mate. Right then, let's get a look at the famous Spring-Heeled... Oi, Skiers! It's me, you lousy excuse for a sergeant! It's Smith! That's what I said, you daft sod! This way! And then, on London Bridge, Smith could run no more. The scene was set for a tragic denouement. Skiers, Inspector, it's Smith, sir. We've got him trapped. Smith, give it up. Is that you, Garrick? Yeah, it's me. Tell him to keep back. Keep back or I'm going over the edge. You're finished, Smith. Skiers, keep everyone back. But, sir... I said keep him back. He may be a fugitive, but he's still a copper. All right, Joe. Mind if I join you? Suit yourself. You all right, Joe? I didn't kill Charlotte. But I know who did. Then give yourself up. You used to think I was a pretty good detective. Still do. If I were in your place, I wouldn't believe me. The word I've seen tonight, maybe I believe you more than you think. You know I'll hang, don't you? Not if I can help it. Give it up, Joe. Sorry, Garrick. I can't yet. But don't worry. I'm going to bring you the murderer of Charlotte Fitz Randolph and the killer of Maria Davis. I'm going to solve the mystery of Spring Hill Jack once and for all. What are you talking about? There's nowhere to run. Oh, I don't know. If Spring Hill Jack taught me anything, it's this. If in doubt, jump. No! You have been listening to episode two of The Legend of Spring Hill Jack. Written by Gareth Parker and Robert Valentine. The Legend of Spring-Heeled Jack starred Christopher Finney as Jonah Smith John Holden White as James M. Reimer Josephine Timmins as Lizzie Andrew Shepard as Hopcraft Neil McCormack as Inspector Garrick Philip Lawrence as Sergeant Skiers Ashley Maguire as Ethel Jane Dean as the Copycat Mike Tomlinson, Stephen Hill and Jack Bowman as the Showman Tom Adams as the street urchin, Silas Hawkins as the vicar and the prisoner, with Jeremy Stockwell as Oscar Snitterfield, and Nicholas Parsons as Cuthbert Leach. Other parts were played by members of the cast. Casting was by Jack Bowman. It was engineered by Tashari King and Sam Gammon at Alchemia, and by Matt Walters at Quince Studios, London. Editing and sound design was by Benjamin Osborne. The opening and closing themes were composed and performed by Francesco Quadraropolo, with incidental music by Cameron K. McEwen. Creature effects were designed and created by Richard Lightman at Morang Studios, Andrew Swan, and Tashari King. It was produced by Marielle Runnaker Temple, Robert Valentine, and Gareth Parker and was directed by Robert Valentine. Next time. All aboard! Smith's dead. What the hell's all this about? Where's the magic box? They're going to use it to perform for the Queen and Prince Albert. It's taken the box! 
There's a murderer on that train. Right, now to work. Is it me, or are we suddenly going faster? The powder's going to go up any second. The whole train will derail. We can't buy the fuse. Incredible, isn't it? The Legend of Spring-Heeled Jack. Episode 3. The Engine of Doom. This show's going to end with a bang.